All right, Sandy, I know you can't tell us anything of what you learned inside, but tell us just one little, little thing. You can tell one us one little, little thing? thing. Yeah, okay, no one's so, listening. So, so here's the deal. Um, there's things that I can't talk about because I have an NDA until midnight. I think it is midnight. Is it 11.59? You are Isn't a liar. It? You guys are lying. You're trying to get me. Yeah, midnight I'm somewhere. good. It's not midnight. These guys are lying. It's midnight basically somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic. But I can tell you one thing for sure. Okay. I really enjoy driving that car. I'm telling you what, the four-wheel steer, the, um, uh, the, the uh, drive-by wire, the, everything about that car, the vision, everything is just absolutely brilliant. And it's quite a bit easier than driving a, uh, a Model Y, a Model X, a Model S. It, it, it's easier to drive because the screen is slightly different, and I like the deal. I don't have to wiggle, uh, wiggle stock sticks and stuff like that. It's just up and down. And by the way, there's another thing that's kind of cool. When you want to take off, it's like the Model S. If it sees there's nothing in front of you, it assumes you want to go forward. Now this, for those folks who've uh, ever had a brain part, and you and you decide you're going to put it in drive when in really you should be in reverse, this is going to be perfect for you. I personally never have that problem. <laughs> but at the end of the day, this is the kind of stuff that you can expect from the, uh, from the Cybertruck. I love everything about it. I loved it from the first time I saw it. I, uh, I only made one small mistake, and that was not putting my name on the... Uh, the reservations. I don't want to get into that, but at the end of the day, this is a fine truck. Tesla is going to just kick so much ass. It's iconic. Yeah. Think Woo. about it. Think about it. If I say Beetle, what car do you think of? If I say, if I say a Mini, what car do you think of? This is going to be a car like that. It's an iconic vehicle that's going to continuously be in the public's eye, always. How is the visibility with uh, not having that normal pickup truck frunk? Okay, so normally when you look out the window, it's like driving either a motorcycle or, uh, or a convertible, and I've had lots of both. But <laughs> there's one thing I, I really scared the shit out of me, and that's going into a parking garage with really tight turns. I would re I'm, I've already suggested this to Tesla. Give me a view. You've got the cameras there already. Give me a view of what the hell I'm looking at, because I can't see over the edge. The good news is there is no rearview mirror. Hallelujah. Finally, somebody grew some balls and actually got rid of the rearview mirror. They haven't got rid of the side mirrors, the wing mirrors, but the, the rearview mirror is gone, and you get a nice view of, of what's in back of you. I mean, that's brilliant. I, I love that. If we could just toss Nishta into a few more, getting rid of a few more old-fashioned, well, you know, we've always had a rear-view mirror. <laughs> if we can get them to get rid of that, I'm, I'm pretty sure we can make things happen in a good way. What do you think about GM, Ford, the big guys? Are they worried tonight? Are they even caring about this tonight? Okay, so in order of priority from uh, the guys that are probably the most worried to least i'd say number one on the hit parade is volkswagen holy mackerel 
if I've ever made a bad prediction, it was when I said Volkswagen may be the only competitor to Tesla. I was so wrong. I mean, uh, I'm not going to take a flogging or anything, but I will tell you, I was so wrong, it was incredible. I cannot believe how Tesla, or sorry, how VW is, uh, I don't know how they're still alive. They've got to reduce. Uh, okay, so I hear a lot from different people, and some of the Tesla, sorry, some of the Volkswagen people have told me they've got to get rid of 40 for zero percent of their of their production capability and it's all going to be in germany slovakia and wherever their their chinese companies are the only ones making money so at the end of the what are they waving at me over there hey you with the yellow shirt get uh -oh. over here uh-oh get on, up here go. i can't believe what are you afraid to sit next to sandy or something there we are okay so now i'm going to be able to stop talking and give everything to kyle kyle it's your hello what, what would you like me to talk about? Well, let's first well, introduce... <laughs> we can talk about charging if you want, absolutely. Let's yeah. first introduce Kyle Connor from Out of Spec Motoring. Welcome, Kyle. Uh, along you. with Appreciate many other amazing Thanks. channels. How many people have watched Kyle's review of ice-cold weather charging? Stick your hands up. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, do you think that the uh, big guys are worried today about what they just saw, or do you think they're just going to ignore it? Uh, you mean in terms of their response to the truck? Yeah, I, I honestly think the first reaction for most people in the automotive industry, whether it's from like an OE or other media outlets, is going to be to, uh, to make fun of it and not, not to take it seriously. I think that's probably the first reaction. Because of you think they really don't get it or because they just need to have that reaction? Yeah, I mean, I think we don't know much about the truck yet. And so this happens every time a Tesla product comes out. Lots of doubt, lots of questions. Mm -hmm. and, and honestly, same for me. Like, I'm, I, I can't wait to test it. I want to see the range. I want to see the charging. Uh, we got to do, you know, this versus Rivian versus Lightning versus Silverado. And yep. uh, I'm super pumped for all the videos we're going to do with it. And uh, yeah, so if anyone's got one, send it to me before he tears it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let me let me just tell you a little bit about I've driven everything. Okay, so I don't go into the depth that uh, that Kyle goes into. Out of spec is your best your best opportunity for real road trip experience. But I can tell you, my wife owns a Rivian. I don't own anything. The company owns a Model Three, a Ford uh, F one fifty Lightning. And we got a couple of Chinese cars and some other stuff. But I will tell you that what I drove today is, um, is different than a Lightning. Totally different. Because when you're trying to park a Lightning, you're, you're parking a beast. Okay? However, uh, if I compare it to the Rivian, I don't see me as a buyer of uh, an off-road vehicle. I don't see me... Wanting the Rivian, my wife loves it, but I want a Cybertruck. And then we look at, uh, if we look at the F-150, for those who've watched my channel, you know that I wound up with uh, a whole bunch of people coming from all over the world to show up in Auburn Hills with no electricity. How in the world did I save that? I plugged in. I plugged in the, uh, the, the, the lightning, and son of a gun, they just saved me literally a million dollars. 
So it's hard for me to throw rocks at an F-150 Lightning. Now the good news is that, pretty sure I heard this today. I, I, I hope I heard this today. But uh, here's the deal. The Cybertruck is bi-directional. So that means that it's got the attributes of the Lightning, so you can charge your, you can not just charge, but you can run your household on the Lightning, uh, sorry, on, you can light it on the Lightning, but you can run it on the Cybertruck, and the Cybertruck has got a much bigger battery than what the Lightning does. So as far as I'm concerned, if we're looking at the guys that are gonna lose, we're looking at Volkswagen, down a long ways comes General Motors, uh, a little ways further down is Toyota. They're going to get smaller. And then you've got a whole myriad of folks that are in between. And that would include the Rivian, the Lightning, the Hyundais, the Hondas, the Teslas, or sorry, the Toyotas. All these guys are making the direction that they should make, that they have to make if they're going to survive in the next 10 years. The guys at the really top, like uh, they've got, I have no... How do I do this without saying fucking? I can't remember how. But anyways, they have no chance, no chance of really surviving. And so they will shrink. They'll shrink in size considerably. Now, the question is, who's going to be the biggest car manufacturer on the planet in five years? Five years. Who said BYD? Stick your hand up. You're right. Tesla will not be the biggest because wow. we don't have enough. We don't have enough uh, product out there. Oh, sorry. We don't have enough product out there. There's no way that Tesla can compete with BYD because BYD is so huge. They are double, double, and because everybody should know that China is uh, the biggest market for cars. Period. They're double the next closest competitor in the EV world, double. They are taking over, dominating Europe. They are moving into, they already have uh, bus companies in Los Angeles. They're moving into China. BYD will crush, crush a whole bunch of different companies. And so BYD is gonna be number first. Who's number two? Tesla. I believe Tesla will be number two in the marketplace. And the reason for that is because they have a product that's a step above what BYD produces, but will come in at a higher price, and Americans are cheapskates. And that's the way it works. <laughs> awesome. Now, okay, there's one, there's one question that I have for the two of you, and I think you're probably both uniquely uh, qualified to answer. I want to talk about the windshield wiper. Today we kind of we got a good look at the windshield wiper uh, wiping uh, when you brought your truck in, Sandy, and I appreciate you doing that. Um, is this going to be a problem? Everyone's always worried about how long this, this windshield wiper is on the Cybertruck. What do you think? I think that the single windshield wiper is an absolute genius move. I tried to talk General Motors into it. I tried to talk Toyota into it. Mercedes already has it but they've got a cam in it that makes it sweep the whole window. But the window is so damn big, and the wiper is even bigger. I'm guaranteeing you that that's going to be the right way to go. And we've been trying to push this technology forever. 
I, I'm going to tell you something that uh, it sounds like I'm bragging, but it's not. I will tell you that every time we put out a suggestion on YouTube, we give it to the world who is the one who implements it and who sits around picking their nose, giving reasons why they can't do it. Tesla. And in number two position, it, well, there's two. One is Geely, and the other one is BYD. Everything we say, everything when we criticize, every time we come out with an idea, like 48 volts, who implemented, and who just went, in, well, I don't think so, really and truly. You know, we've been doing this since 1960, and so there can't possibly be any any technological improvements since 1960. Kyle, I want to ask you about snow. Um, and I think a lot of people are worried, especially with the windshield wiper, about snow. And today, looking at it, I kind of noticed something. I'm so used to my windshield wiper being down and then having to come up. And so when I am too lazy to brush off my car in the morning after a snowstorm, and I'm like, the windshield wipers will take care of it. It'll go up and it'll go, and then it'll come back down. But I was looking today, and the windshield wiper is up, and the whole front windshield goes straight down to the hood, and then the hood goes all the way down. Do you think that it's just going to... I think it depends on the snow mix, especially, uh, but, yes. and how strong that motor is. Because uh, there's a lot of weight it's going to have to push. But I live in Colorado. We've had a ton of snow. and So yeah. you just precondition it for a few minutes. I would just crank that wiper on full. And, and if it breaks, it makes for a good YouTube video from my side. <laughs> and, if it, and if it works, that's an even better YouTube video. Yep. So it's super, super interesting to see. Like, wiper stress test yep. is a video we have to do in the near future. It's double blade, is my understanding. Uh, which is kind of cool. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how they wear. I, all these things, yep, certainly we'll be looking at it. Okay, so I drove the car quite a bit in the rain and the fog and the mud. When you get close to the Tesla factory, uh, it seems like, I don't know how it happens, but mud shows up on your windshield. And what happens is it starts down below and it goes up. And then automatically it figures out, uh, you can't see what you're doing, and it goes down. But when we got to the expressway, I really wanted this thing to do better than what automatic was. So I, I went thump on the windshield wipers, and it comes up. Do you want to do it automatically, which kind of like I didn't care for? Or do you want to have it thump, thump, you know, so you get one swipe? Or do you want to have it thump, thump, and then wait, thump, thump? Or do you want to have it on Wicked Fast, which gives you an epileptic fit? Okay, so you can pick whatever you want, and uh, and it's right there. The uh, the how does it spray, does oh. it spray the uh, water okay. on? Okay, so if you've got your thumb on the steering wheel, uh, you press the windshield wiper and it'll go. It'll cycle. If you hold it, then what happens is it sprays uh, fluid, and I ran out, but it but it doesn't matter. Uh, it's. <laughs> It's now my benefactor. Um, it's uh, Rich Otto's problem. We ran out of uh, fluid, and I didn't. Uh, I mean, you can use a lot of things for fluid. Uh, in Russia, they use vodka. Uh, and uh, sometimes, if you're drunk, you can use urine. But at the end of the day, you have to use something. And it has to have salt in it. So um, again, this is where men have an advantage. So at the end of the day, 
Uh, the, the, I had no problems with the windshield wiper at all. Just push the button, or actually with your thumbs. So you've got, um, you've got your right and left turn signals, two buttons on the steering wheel. You've got uh, front, forward, reverse, and park. Is, uh, oh, actually, it's on the screen, but you don't have to use that. You can push a little button, and there's a, a small, uh, I don't know what to describe it as. It's, a, it's like a beam, and you press the button, and you've got a Prindle. For all the old timers that nah, I'm quite caught on, you can push that thing on, and you can hit park, reverse, drive, whatever you want. It's all right there and neutral. So, uh, so it's, it's kind of cool. The windshield washers and whatnot, are, everything's right by your thumb. And because you've got self, uh, sorry, not, we did not have self-driving on that car. It was pre-production. But if you've got the, um, if you've got the uh, uh, what do you call it, steer-by-wire kind of stuff, everything is, I mean, you can't, you'd have to really try hard to crash this car, really. Can I ask you guys about steer-by-wire? So I, I was under the impression that NHTSA required um, a mechanical backup system. But has that rule been changed? So you don't. No. No, the NHTSA rule is that if you go by steer-by-wire, you have to have double reduction, or sorry, double... Uh, redundancy. Yeah, double redundancy on the, uh, on the electric motors, which they do have, and you have triple redundancy on the controlling system, and they do have. It's just that everybody was too damn cheap and too lacking of foresight to make that happen. So because remember, every... Every major aircraft you've ever been on, ever, ever, has, has fly-by-wire. And there's a lot more going on when it's fly-by-wire versus steer-by-wire. So what is, it, is that an advantage for Tesla going forward? I mean, is that going to be a cost reduction, or what, what does that do? Well, from a driving standpoint, it leads to a unique driving experience, right? Yeah, so, so, so can you explain that? So yeah. that something about when, it, when you're at slow speeds, then fast speeds? Yeah, so the, the idea is the ratio is going to change based on the speed of the vehicle. How it's tuned, what happens if you do an emergency load in the steering, these are all the things we'll find out. But essentially at low speed, if you put a 45 degree input into the steering wheel, the vehicle is going to turn pretty quickly. At high speed, if you do the same thing, it'll sort of smooth out that input. Also has rear steer, which they didn't discuss too much. We don't know how many degrees, um, you know, like EQS, for example, is 10 degrees of rear steer quite a bit. This didn't look as aggressive. Maybe it's five degrees, seven degrees at the most, um, but it doesn't need to be, even a, a, a minimal amount of rear steer makes a huge impact, and that can be tuned differently at speeds as well. At low speed, you want it opposite of the front wheels. At high speed, you want it in the same direction to virtually elongate the chassis, make smoother lane changes, give some more stability, and um, yeah, so, so we got to play around with all that tune. You drove it with steer-by-wire, so what was your impression of the inputs at the different speeds? Was it natural to drive? It was, at first it's a little bit of a trick because when you're trying to get out of a tight uh, parking spot or whatever, having rear wheel steering is uh, kind of, so I've, I've driven lots of trucks and buses that have rear wheel steering. And I'm telling you, it's great from, uh, from a tightness standpoint. You can almost spin on a dime. It's really, really tight. Uh, you can make things happen in a hurry. When you're at high speed, that doesn't kick in. You definitely don't want rear-wheel rear, rear wheel steering from something that's uh, moving too quick. 
but uh, that has a, I think, 10%, uh, 10, uh, like uh, 10 degrees, I should say, of rear wheel steering. And then when you look at the front of the vehicle, uh, the lock-to-lock -lock at basically zero is, three, I think it's 320 degrees or something along that line. It's been out in the market for a bit. They've talked about that. So, the uh, Sandy, when you had a chance to drive the vehicle, did you drive the tri-motor version? And what was your impression of the performance? I spoke with the powertrain guys today uh, for some amount of time, so happy to, to share some, some impressions. But what did you think of the, the quietness of the motors, the powertrain calibration? Was it smooth? What was, what was that all like? Okay, so I, I drove it in beast mode. Beast mode is probably not for everyone. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I did use the race drawers and whatever. But at the end of the day, um, I didn't find anything that was overwhelming. And the reason for that was because we got the car with basically about mm, less than 40%, I'm not sure. And so consequently, Beast Mode eats up a tremendous amount of, uh, a tremendous amount of power. And uh, we, wanted to get <laughs> we wanted to get back home and whatever. So um, I did kick it in several times, and it did uh, definitely, Grace was uh, unhappy. Uh, don't do that again, was I think the comment. I, th I thought I heard a whisper in my ear, but, but at the end of the day, um, I, truly, I truly liked everything. It was smooth, it was quiet. It, everything was consistent with what you'd think when you're at high, highway speed. So I, I did not, Notice the, heck, the only part is when <laughs> you're at slow speed, and then that uh, that does kind of um, that kind of is going to take a little bit to get used to because I'm not used to rear wheel steering along with like lock to lock steering. Yeah. Yeah. So the the motors are interesting. The the front is a permanent magnet design with an e locker at least in the tri motor variant, which is great to have a mechanical locker. It's actually a very similar setup to Hummer EV uses a, a similar, you know, independent, non-mechanically linked rear axle on the tri motor variant with a front electronic differential uh, locking mechanism, which is awesome for, for you know, off-road or in, in, you know, split mu conditions. But uh, what's interesting is the rear motors are induction. There's uh, you know, no permanent magnets, no rare earth materials in there. It's also like a huge drive unit in the rear. It's got to handle big abuse loads, of course, being a truck, much more than you know, a car or a Model X even would, would take. But the fact that it's induction in the rear was really interesting. And I, I don't know exactly how they'll tune it. We'll, of course, test all this. But what I thought was interesting was um, my guess is it's going to primarily be front-wheel drive running that permanent magnet motor uh, you know, for highway cruising, and then only kick in the induction motor for the hard torque loads when needed. The benefit, of course, as you know, Sandy, like, and you guys know as well, is with an induction motor uh, in the rear, you don't have flux-related losses from cruising down, so you can essentially shut that motor off Whereas with a permanent magnet, a lot of automakers, including Tesla with the semi, will do a physical clutch disconnect. So the powertrain setup was not what I was expecting at all. And how it's tuned and how it's going to work, this is what I can't wait to uh, try out when we get a, a beast mode truck in to review. So um, I got a chance to talk to some folks who've got a new inverter converter that um, would allow me to get away from, I, I, you know... I'm, I'm sure I'm going to make enemies here, but I'd really like to get rid of 
PM, uh, permanent magnet motors and move toward induction motors. And there's a company that's come up with a new trick. Uh, and um, and I, I cannot remember the name, but anyways, these guys, everybody's looking at them right now. And what they're doing is uh, a vastly different way of controlling the electric motor. And they can make a PM motor do, or sorry, they can make an induction motor do everything a PM motor can do. And now what do I get? Well, it's lighter. Well, it might not be lighter because what they're, what they're advocating is staying with copper. I'd like to see it go to aluminum if I could. But they have, with a copper design, they can do anything that a PM motor can do, and they can do it more consistently. When I first saw their, uh, their graphs and whatnot, I thought, ah, these are bullshit artists. I really don't like magic. There's no such thing. I don't, well, I do believe in magic in a younger soul or something. I can't remember the names of the song. But anyways, I do remember that one thing, and that is that they have figured out how to do magic. So the torque curve that you get with, uh, with a PM motor can be replicated that same flat and, and droop can be, can be replicated in an induction motor. And if that happens, you can instantly drop the motor cost by, well, it depends on whose motor you're looking at, but anywhere from 300 to uh, maybe 1,000 bucks. And if I can get 1,000 bucks out at the cost phase, like at the, the, the place where you make things, then that is a multiple of two that you can see. So if I can get a thousand bucks of in the, uh, the the difference between a PM motor and an induction motor, then I can sell the car to you at least two thousand dollars less and probably three. So that's a that's a really big. Not only that, it's lighter. Well, I want to ask you guys both about the range extender battery because it really kind of shocked me today when I heard about it. I was like, what? I've never heard of a Tesla product with a range extender. So. This is gonna sit in the bed of the truck, right? Take up a third of the space of the truck. Can you guys talk to me about, you know, $16,000 roughly, right? And it's gonna add about 130 miles of range. Is this, does this make sense to you guys? What, what do you guys think of this? Okay. Well, I, I'm not actually 100% sure how it's going to work, if it's going to be hot swappable. Like a few things come to mind on the battery side of the truck, which is, you know, they're saying around an 800 volt nominal system architecture. The first thing I think about is how is that going to interface with Tesla superchargers that are out today? Uh, because both, both version 2 and version 3 are capped at 500 volts, as well as version 4 dispensers are still hooked up to V3 cabinets. So is the truck going to have an onboard booster, or is it going to split pack down to 400 volts, or is Tesla going to retrofit the existing hardware? Like, I don't know. Do you have an answer on is it going to split pack or not? Um, I do have a slight answer, uh, a, a, a fairly good answer. First off, if you are fooling around with the range extender, you're probably going to want to go to 800 volts. 800 volts is what this car is coming out with. It'll do 800 or 400. When you have 800 volts, that just moves the amps. Amps are really what you really want to have. The volts are kind of like uh, pushing it there, so it's like pressure. So it, this this vehicle um, with the Rage Extender would be better suited for an 800 volt charger than 400 volts. It'll get it done. It'll get the job done faster. However, 
Uh, I don't know what everybody else here knows, but uh, you should know that the average American only drives about 40 miles a day. Okay, so if you get the range extender, it would be because you want to have, you want to tow something. And we already heard that, uh, that Tesla can tow 1,100 pounds. Okay, that's good. But if you want to have it 1,100 pounds with, with the same range, then you're going to have to get the range extender. And I, at that juncture, that's when I had to drop the little shield. Um, you'll hear a little bit more on our YouTube channel, but I can't talk about it until midnight tonight. Okay. Isn't it 11.59? I thought it was. <laughs> you know what? I'm surrounded by liars. He said the same thing over there. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it, uh, the range extender seems like an interesting topic. Is it wired? Maybe you can't say yet, but is it wired in parallel with the battery, or is there a DC to DC in between the two? Can you say yet? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions? How about you, sir? Any other questions? <laughs> yeah. It, it seems, for, for my personal use case, for example, I, I of course, own a, a couple Teslas, but I also have a Rivian that I do most of my towing with. I'm actually in the middle of a Rivian towing trip right now. My truck's in Ohio with my trailer on it. I'm going back to go continue the trip after this event. And, uh, you know, towing with that truck sucks. There's no way around it. Yeah. It's like we charging, were, thermals. Yeah. We wanted to drive down to this event in the Rivian or the Ford. Um, dragging our solar trailer that we've built sure. and um, couldn't do it. We were like, okay, we could uh, have uh, Thanksgiving. Well, we, we could do it if we had two extra weeks. We would have, we would maybe get it here now. If we left on Thanksgiving from Washington, D.C., we might have been able to make it down here and just, just be pulling in right about now. And, I mean, that is where the super, I mean, I I don't know what the NAX rollout is going to look like for the Rivian and the Ford and every other car. I'm excited. Yeah, we it's can talk be, about it if you want to go. It's so fun. But, like, yeah, right now, towing with a truck that is electric because you can't buy a Tesla <laughs> Cybertruck well, well, is to, impossible. To your point, though, in 2025, right, that's when most people are going to get their Cybertrucks. That is the magical year when NAX will roll out to all the Rivians and the Fords and so forth. So what is, are there, is there going to be no more advantage to Teslas at that point? Charging speed. Well, in the case of Silverado EV, it does 365 kilowatts. Well. And at least on the website, it says Cybertruck does 250. Uh, and that's going to have NAX. But again, uh, you know, high voltage. We don't know how it's going right. to interact and, and what V4 will be yet. But um, yeah, I've been super involved with the NAX transition stories, been working, um, you know, from, from this uh, Charin consortium. I just came from a conference in Ohio on that and a bunch of interoperability testing. It's going to be the Wild West for a little bit. Adapter safety comes in to mind as like making sure your adapter certified by the OE uh, and it's approved to use on the network because some of these uh, things can get pretty sketchy pretty quick. It's, uh, just, but a, it's just a couple hundred amps. <laughs> and, and like, yeah, like a Tesla will do like 700 amps when you plug yeah, it into a, a supercharger. It's My wild. extension cord's going to be just fine. <laughs> it, it's going to be an interesting ride. The, the next transition has to happen. We were one of the early ones to, to push as hard as we can on that from, from our side with what little impact we have. But um, yeah, it's, it's going to be messy. It's going to be exciting. And there's no lack of content for any of us to talk yeah. about how this is going to work.
but it will probably work flawlessly with the Cybertruck, and that might be the only truck where it's going to work flawlessly, and I don't know. That that could be a deciding factor. We could be back here in a, in a year and a half, and, and that's what we'll be saying. The, the most exciting thing to me about Cybertruck is the thermal management system where Tesla has always had a clear lead above everyone else. Uh, even Model 3, which is a 400-volt system architecture, has more thermal longevity than a Porsche Taycan, which is almost double, and that's a performance-oriented application. And uh, you know, my Rivian, for example, I was just charging it yesterday at an Electrify America station. It was 20 degrees outside, really cold, and my bat I have a, a, a way to see my battery temperatures on the truck, and it overheated and stopped charging for a few minutes to let the battery cool down. So the, the Cybertruck's thermal systems, I think, are going to be a huge improvement over what's out there in the market today. Lightning, wow. by the way, awesome thermal management, but not huge peak charging speeds. Silverado, GM still can't figure out their charging curves on their stuff. So, wow. yeah, I think uh, that's Tesla's advantage in my book. Yeah. Yeah, when it comes to uh, thermal management, I don't believe anybody, including BYD, has anything that comes close to the way that Tesla has developed the octo valve, the thermal management system, all the other stuff that goes along with it. And the reason for that is real simple. They've been in the marketplace for five years, if you're talking about BYD, five years before everybody else. That five years of extra knowledge really makes a huge difference. So I think that uh, some companies, again, I, I go back to what did I say about the guy that's in the biggest problem and who comes in second. I. They both did the same, they both made the same mistake. They both decided that they were going to put a B team on. And for, if you want to compete with Tesla, you better have an A plus team. And that's it. So, uh, and that's what it works out to. I mean, for those of you who are in the tour today that, that went around through Tesla and talked to any of the guys that were on the factory floor, these guys are. These guys are devoted. They're, uh, they're, they're not UAW people, that's for sure. And by the way, I've heard this about a million times, so I'm gonna dispel a small rumor. I do not believe that any Sean Fenn or whatever is gonna ever convince Toyota, Tesla, Honda, Rivian, or anybody else into joining the crowd. And here's something that's ponderous that you should know. In 1980, the UAW had 1.5 million people. Now they have just under 320,000 people. It's, it's a dying breed, and uh, sooner or later it will die out completely, but not before it destroys General Motors, Christ, Stellantis, we can't call it Chrysler anymore. Stellantis, Ford, and anybody else that they've sucked in. Uh, hey, I noticed that there's no tailgate ramp on the video that we saw today. And in the trucks that you pulled up in, I think you mentioned that there wasn't a ramp. Now, is that going to be an option, or has that been ditched? The, uh, the deal is that the ramp weighs too much, and so you couldn't close the tailgate. And so they've abandoned ship on that. And they did mention it uh, on the floor, if you heard. They, they abandoned ship on the ramp. They're gonna sell uh, an extension ramp that you can put in the back of the truck and, and you can make happen. 
<clears throat> but, it, but it won't be built into the tailgate. It will not be built into the tailgate. Oh, that's a bummer, because that seemed like a really it cool would, feature. It would, yeah, but it would take... Uh, <clears throat> you'd have to have an electric motor to bring that back up. Currently, I showed you how you could lift it up with one hand, but that's because it's got a clock spring, a torque spring. That'll bring it back up. So when you bring it down, it compresses the spring like a watch, and then when you bring it back up, it gives you the energy you need in order to close it. With the ramp, and, and again, I, again, we talked about this, and when I saw the initial one, I said, Genghis Khan, or sorry, a gorilla, would have to be able to pick this thing up because it'd be so bloody heavy. And, uh, and that's basically what they've come to the same conclusion, but you can buy a ramp. And by the way, anybody that didn't see it, there's a whole bunch of other attachments. I'm not sure whether they're made by Tesla or not, but uh, there's a little house you can put on the back that's supposed to be bear-proof. Nah, I can't, I can't even believe that, but anyways, it'll be bear-proof. And then they've got this other thing. You put a little pump, uh, you know, you plug in your, uh, your, uh, your compressor, and a little pump will give you a tent. Phenomenal. I love it. I mean, I don't need it to be bear. I'm not going where there's bears, especially big ones that eat humans. I don't want that. Uh, so at the end of the day, I want to go to a place where I can plug in, pump up, and go to, go to bed. What were your thoughts about um, the shortness of the presentation? I just, I mean, it just felt like it flew by because it really was just a delivery event. Were you hoping for anything else to be revealed or you know that that's just coming in the days to come? Uh, yeah, from my perspective, it was pretty uh, as expected. I didn't. I actually thought we got some some interesting info. Those some tests and things they showed during it. I'm not sure those were how I would have staged them at least. But we can always recreate them and maybe a, a little bit more of a scientific matter. For example, the tractor pull. Let's get all the vehicles on the same tire or at least optioned in a similar configuration. Uh, so th these little things we can play around with, um, you know, in the future for fun. But uh, I, I thought it was uh, the energy. I, I was at the event and in the factory, and I thought the energy was probably totally different than when I watched it back in the live stream. Uh, people were excited. It was great. Like Sandy mentioned, they had literally the engineers of each component as you walk down the factory line explaining what their methodology was through their, you know, uh, engineering process, the testing procedures they went through. Like I mentioned, I spent a lot of time with the powertrain guys and they were just so open about everything, which you never get that access from Tesla. And so I was super thrilled to like meet the people working on the thing, see their passion, which is very rare, especially as you know, I'm lucky enough, I get to review every new electric car that comes on the market. Very rarely do we get this kind of access right to the engineers to learn about each area that we're interested in. And um, yeah, I, honestly, we didn't even pay too much attention during the, the presentation. We were too busy tweeting and doing other stuff and, uh, you know, having fun. But just talking to the people was amazing. And, uh, you know, it, it, I thought the mood afterwards was a little bit somber. Everyone was like the price, all these things. And I, I don't know, I was probably and normally I'm pretty hard on Tesla. Like I thought it was priced exactly like I expected it to be. And I was like, that's what I thought. And I was super thrilled. So, uh, yeah, I'm pleased with the truck. I'll tell you, the, uh, the guy that put this on, his name is Rich Otto. Is Rich Otto here in the audience? Rich Otto, are you around anywhere? You don't think so? Okay. So, the guy, the genius in back of all of this stuff, his name is Rich Otto. I thought he did a brilliant job. I've been to, I've been to a dozen of these dog and pony shows 
more than a dozen, hundreds of these dog and pony shows. Normally there's a girl with long legs and a cute look, and she doesn't know what she's talking about, but hey, she's got long legs and she's cute. But this one, this one was perfect because I got a chance to see what was going on. I got a chance to talk to the people who actually put the car together. I got a chance to uh, not waste my time on a lot of mumbo jumbo. I don't need somebody to tell me their financial position. I don't want to know, you know, who did this, who did that. These guys were all right there, right in front of us. Uh, I mean, the the uh, the ability to get the job done is is really what's important. And quite frankly, I thought it was the perfect amount of time because normally you, you're ready to fall asleep. And and quite frankly, the last uh, the last. Uh, investor show uh, shit show comes to mind I don't know anyhow these guys were all investors and there was no investors these guys were all in suits nobody was in well there was one guy that had a suit on these guys these people were interested in what was going on these other clowns all they wanted to do was figure out how they were going to write the next short story as in short Tesla. So, I don't want to go there. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny you bring up this point. I was just at the market introduction launch of BYD in Germany, and I have mad respect for BYD and everything they're doing, but uh, it was literally a two-hour-long rock concert mixed with a translated presentation where they didn't even touch on the product, finished with another rock concert. And I'm like, I just want to see the car. And today, at least, we got to go see the vehicle and talk to the engineers. It was really great. And that's the difference between marketing at Tesla and marketing everywhere else. These other guys, they don't, they don't care about the car. They, they don't know about the car. They don't know shit. They're, they're marketing people. They're sales folks. They know about, oh, do we have enough shrimp to feed these characters? Is there enough champagne? Is it the right kind of champagne? That's what they really understand. But nobody gives a rat's ass about that stuff. At the end of the day, I was really happy to see what I saw. And like I say, I've seen hundreds of these things over my uh, 75 years of being on this planet. I've seen tons of these things, and they're always the same. Tall, willowy ladies, shrimp, champagne, and bullshit. Wow, I guess I, we're I missing, confirm. Yes. We're missing the champagne and the shrimp, huh? <laughs> 